hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. You may be seated. I appreciate all of you being here tonight. I appreciate the worship. I appreciate your giving, your faithfulness. I, I, I understand that I was in uh, a little bit of um, a mode this morning that <clears throat> involved um, uh, a great deal of, of preaching and teaching, if you will, digging into the Word of God. And I, I know there's always a danger when you are looking at some of the truths of God that people can take portions of it and, and make, um, you know, try to make it say something that it didn't. And I, I hope that if you weren't here this morning, uh, that you will listen to the sermon. If you were, that you will embrace trying to understand the concept. And obviously, if you have a question or you don't understand something, I will be glad to try to, I'd be glad to a, give you my slides or talk to you about it or answer any questions. But it was a, about changing your self-view because we are all inundated with a worldly self-view. And that worldly self-view has to do with uh, she's beautiful, she's not. He's handsome, he's not. They're ugly, they're not. They're wealthy and they're not. And they're powerful and they're not. And they're smart and they're not. And they're educated and they're not. And, and uh, <clears throat> she tried to preach with me this morning and so she's doing it again tonight. Uh, anyway, but uh, they go back and forth through, you know, here it is. Uh, and we make judgments and we judge. Uh, according to whatever standard that we have and we go ooh that, that's whatever and Paul was addressing this sense of ego if you will uh, in Corinthians when to the church at Corinth and I mentioned this morning that church had a tremendous amount of issues going on and I, I went into some of them this morning but basically in the first chapter of his first letter, Paul said, you guys have got to learn how to be humble and you've got to not glory in his presence. And uh, I'm sorry to say, but you ate that in a bag of chips in so many words. He was like saying, you might think you are, but you're not. And and uh, the Lord's not going to use wise and noble and some of those things. And you can read it and listen to this morning. I I was amazed at how, you know, he uses the phrase, you know, he hath chosen the, the base things of the world and those things that are not to uh, bring to naught those things which are and the despised. And I have found that to be true. And, and so it requires then an action and that, as we sang, when you come into his presence, you humble yourself and lift up both hands. That means I surrender. I need you, Lord. I, I can't make this on my own and I as long as you think you can make it on your own your thinking is off you know you've got to recognize that I need God I'm hungry for God I must have God in my life and yet I know this 
was a metropolitan church that had amazing preachers. Apollos, we know, was a powerful evangelist. Simon Peter, powerful man. And, and this was a, a wealth, well-to-do church that was in a, a capital of uh, an area where they were, they were wealthy. They were that. They were all of that. They knew who they were. And they liked to, you know, kind of brag about who they were. And yet it creeped into the whole church service. And I, we don't have that here. And I'm not even suggesting that we do. Uh, but it, 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 it can creep into anybody's thinking. That's what I want you to hear me say. That it can get into your thinking. That you are starting to look at, well, that one and that one and this one. And well, at least I'm not that bad. And at least I'm not this bad. And, and go through the, the whole uh, thinking. And that's the way they were. And some were saying, well, I talk in tongues more than this one. And this one. And I don't, you know. And then, anyway, the early, that early church was just full of a lot of what I would have defined as hubris. But Paul defined finds it as being puffed up as a, a new word that really is not discussed but one other place in the New Testament by Paul and that is physio. He was like, it is this self uh, view of I am all puffed up. I am really, you know, I, you know I, I got it all together. And Paul addresses that with the church. He said, you cannot glory in men. And, and he, he says, you know, then he makes some powerful statements about all things belong to you anyway. And, and sometimes we forget that. You know, we, we can feel like a poor stepchild and we can feel like, you know, uh, the Lord doesn't know where I am and he doesn't know what I'm going through. Let me tell you something. That's a lie from the devil. He knows how many hair you have. He knows when sparrows fall. Don't think he doesn't know where you are. Don't think he doesn't know what you're going through. And you say, well, why doesn't he snap his finger and get me out? Well, probably he's trying to teach you a lesson. To you need him. That you need his presence. And for you to get up every morning and say, I need you, I need you, I need you. Then Paul actually tells them in the fourth chapter, as he ends the third chapter, he starts the fourth chapter, he says, I know what my purpose is. I was called by God to show forth the mysteries of God. And I've got to be faithful in that. And I would tell all of you, I would challenge all of us, you've got to reach a point where you understand your purpose in God. And you say, well, so what does that mean? That I've got to preach the gospel to all the continent of Africa or to Zimbabwe or whatever? I, I, that may or may not. But the first thing is that you've got to realize that my job is to show forth the praises of him that's called me out of darkness into his marvelous light. I'm supposed to be faithful. I'm supposed to bear somebody else's burden. I'm supposed to pray for somebody. I'm supposed to encourage somebody. I'm supposed to be there to strengthen the body. In fact, he went as far as to say, let me tell you, the more we get closer to the coming of the Lord, the more you need to be there to encourage and bless and strengthen somebody. You go, well, I don't, nobody, I don't think anybody needs me to strengthen them. Well, let me tell you, you have missed what God spoke as your purpose. And he said, I want you to do it faithfully. And, and I'm, I'm here to tell you, and I, not just here, but I've pastored people that have come to me and they go, you know what? 
Pastor, the Lord spoke to me. I'm, I'm eligible to retire, but I need, I was, I'm gonna work another year, two years, five years, whatever I can so I can give to the building fund, so I can give to missions, so I can help be a blessing. People in this church have done that. I, I know God told me to, you know what, that's powerful. I know I can, oh, well, you say, well, pastor, are you telling me that everybody should do that? No, but I'm telling you, you gotta know your purpose. If you don't, you get up every morning and say, Lord, I wanna be in you until I find out what you want me to do. If it's you want me to witness to somebody, ask the Lord every morning. You wanna live for God? You wanna be, understand a, a check on the self view is to get up every morning and say, Lord, here I am. You tell me what I need to do today. You tell me where I need to go who I need to talk to. And I believe that the Lord will, in fact, lead and guide, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And so Paul even went through this thing to challenge them to say, you know what, no, I, I can't judge myself. I'm not able to tell you how good or bad or whatever I am. All I can do is tell you that I have a judge and that judge knows everything about me. He knows everything I do in secret. He knows everything I do openly. And I need him to have mercy, to wash, to cleanse, to touch. It doesn't matter if everybody in town thinks, wow, he's an amazing guy. When the judge comes, that's who I stand before. I know, you can say, well, you know what, as long as pastor doesn't know, and I, I, I've had people say, well, you know, I, I don't do this around town, but I, if I go, you know, 100 miles, well, then I can act any way I want. Well, I, I'm here to tell you, believe it or not, the Lord knows what goes on 100 miles from here. I'm sorry. You better act the same everywhere you are. When, when people have that, then they've missed the concept. You understand? And yet I know that we, we judge, and that's, and that's what Paul was saying. This early church was judging. Well, I'm of Apollos, I'm of Cephas, I'm of... And so it became a prideful thing. It became a boasting thing, and it became a comparison one to another, that, and, and they would get puffed up. And so Paul identifies that pride and boasting or glorying were the two things that he would say were what got this Corinthian church off balance. And yet it was a church that talked in tongues, a church that was baptized, baptized in Jesus' name, a church that understood what it was to live for God, but they all of a sudden lack humility. And they, they had reached a point where they were not feeling like, you know, whatever. And, and I, I mentioned this morning about the Greek word hubris, uh, <coughs> tall poppies, I, uh, because that is a, a saying that, you know, well, that's pride and you are full of yourself, basically. But Paul used the word physio. And that word meant just puffed up, a natural ego, an ego of, you know, and, and everybody talks about ego these days and, and your sense of self-worth. And unfortunately, it can get swollen. And whenever it's swollen, it's like if your hands get swollen or your feet get swollen, they, they hurt they ache. And people are now talking about all oh, my hurt feelings. And everybody is worried about 
people hurting each other's feelings. And I know that some people believe, that some people believe will give everybody a trophy. Let everybody be a winner. Let everybody have the same. Well, it never works. It never satisfies. Because guess what? Somebody got a different trophy than you got. Or if everybody got a trophy, you feel like, wow, what was the use of trying to do and do my best, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, and you know, we, we dealt with it. I know with school districts, whenever I was in practice and they, they would talk about, we're going to have a school uniform. That way that some kids don't feel bad because, you know, everybody dresses the same. And guess what? We'd put out a school uniform and then, you know, there are certain kids that would come with some really snazzy shoes. And they had the latest, greatest electronics. You know, they carried around an iPad 742. Whatever. We didn't have iPads then. But the point was that there still kids know how, huh? to judge. Ah, this one. And so then you begin to feel in this self-view. I, I feel like I am empty inside and this person has more than me and, and I don't feel like somehow the Lord has. I, and, and so he, he said, let me tell you, when you start doing this, you, you will end up, you, when you start looking at others before long, it affects your self-view and you will then start oscillating between a sense of pride. Oh man, look at how awesome I am to despair and look at how much I have. And then you meet a man, you know, and, and we've all known the stories, you know, the man that had no legs met a guy that had no eyes or whatever it is. And, you know, he goes through and, But guess what? It's true. When you start comparing yourself to somebody else, it impacts how you feel. And unfortunately, when people start feeling bad, they want to self-medicate with whatever it is. They're going to indulge themselves. Well, I deserve a break. I deserve a vacation. I deserve a, you know, a new pair of shoes. I deserve something. Because you see, our ego is so fragile and that's when we have to get this transformation. And I read those verses in the Amplified Version because they, they talk about that very sense of what's going on. And so basically what Paul was saying is that it's not, you know, that I am going to stand before the judge. And it's not about my, I've got to think of myself more I've got I've to think of myself more, you know, that I'm, I'm a champion, I'm great, I'm awesome, I'm this. And because then sometimes you go, yeah, that, yeah. <laughs> oh, no, no, I ain't. <laughs> and then I fall into, oh, my God, I'm horrible. I'm in despair. Huh? It's not thinking more of myself. It's not thinking less of myself, it is thinking of myself less. Thinking more about him. Because you see, there are times whenever the Lord turns the spotlight on me, and I mentioned it this morning, and I feel like, oh God, I, boy, I blew it. Oh Lord, I did wrong. Oh God, help me. And I want to crawl back in the baptistry, swim some more. I want to pray through 
Why? Because I realize in my soul, I need to get more in him. Because it's being in him that I recognize who I am. We sang this morning, to be like Jesus, to be like him. That's on earth, I long. Well, what are you talking about? So the key there was that Paul was saying it is important to become self-forgetful. That it's not about who I am. It's not about me. You know, that way, criticism doesn't devastate me. Praise is recognition isn't what motivates me. But I want to be like him. And, and I mentioned this morning that this sense of all other religions, all other groups, all other, and when you look at it, it, it is that sense of if you, if you perform right, then you pass, the, you pass muster. Okay, who's going to make the team? If you can dribble the ball, if you can run, if you can whatever, then you're going to be it. You're going to be a star. If you can't, sorry, you, you lost. If you p- make the grade, then you will pass the class. If you, that's, it's performance first and verdict is based on performance. We are the only ones who recognize that when Jesus came and died on Calvary, the verdict was sealed. All of a sudden, the judge and the defense attorney became one person. (laughs) And if he says, I pass, it doesn't matter what you say. It doesn't matter what you think. It doesn't even matter what I think. It's what he says. So I got to stay in him. <laughs> in our, you see, because, you know, that's why the Bible will say, you know, your heart, even if you listen to your heart, your heart is desperately wicked. You can convince yourself to do anything. You've heard me say it. The first time I saw that Ronco ready slicer dicer, I said, that's just absolutely stupid. But about the fifth or sixth time, I thought, wouldn't I like to make my cucumbers look like little curly cues? Oh, they would be much more tasty. Mm. Know what I'm talking about? And before long, now that we have the blessings of Amazon, Prime Day comes and they've got it for a special price. 8% off. And then you hit buy and they go, now you gotta spend another $12.95 in order to get free shipping. Not us, not, not me, not you, I get it. You can convince yourself of anything. 
That's why you've got to stay in him. Stay full of his spirit. Stay full of the word. Because I want you to know this is what's going to judge me according to his word. It's not about what I think. I've had people tell me, well, I think the Lord wants me to be happy. To be, and I'm thinking, let me see, what verse was that? Hmm, let me see. Oh. Now exactly where did you read that? Huh? But, but you don't understand, Pastor. I believe the Lord wants me to be. Okay, just show me where that is in the Bible. Anybody know what I'm talking about? You can deceive yourself. That's why Paul started this. With that word phrase, he said, let no man deceive you. Now, he wrote in the Romans, therefore there is no condemnation to those which are in Christ and, and who walk not after the flesh but after the spirit. And so this is why I must get more into Jesus. I must walk more toward the spirit. I must stay full of the Holy Ghost. I must turn less toward what I think, what I want, and it's gotta be what does he want. You see, when Jesus even was start his ministry before he ever healed one blinded eye, before he ever raised one lame man, the Lord said, this is my beloved son in whom I'm well pleased. He didn't say it when he was in the midst of his trial. As a matter of fact, Jesus couldn't even feel it. He quoted the psalm, my God, my God, why hast thou? But the night he fills you with his spirit, the night you go down in the name of Jesus, you will feel the most loved and cherished and amazing because you are the first time in him. You are in him. You have got now, when you come up out of the water, you are now buried with him. And then when you get the Holy Ghost, not only is you in him, but he's in you. You will feel like you've never felt before. And if you're not careful, the enemy wants to take that joy unspeakable speakable away from you by giving you a different view and you go yeah but I'm not this and I'm not that that's a lie from the devil he still says this is my child in whom I'm well pleased but the enemy's job is to make you feel like, well, I don't know that the Lord loves you. I don't know that the Lord cares what you're doing. I don't know. And there was a preacher by the name of Timothy who was his father in the gospel was Paul. And you remember, he fell down into the full of the Holy Ghost, pastoring a church. And he got full of the wrong spirit. He embraced a spirit of fear. Read it. Let me, let, me, let me go there. Sorry. Let me put it up for you. 2 Timothy, the first chapter, fifth verse. Read it in Amplified. I am calling up memories, Paul said. Let me tell you how you're going to break out of this. You're going to have to remember The night you got the Holy Ghost, 
Oh, I've reached points in my prayer life where I don't even know if I can feel heaven. It feels like brass. The more I pray, the less. Y'all never felt that way. Oh, God, it feels like you've left me. You know what? He said, you, you better remember the night, <laughs> the unqualified, sincere and unqualified faith, the leaning of your entire personality on God. That's how you get the Holy Ghost. You don't come to the Holy Ghost and say, okay, Lord, if you want to give it to me, fine. If not, that's fine. I, you knock me down. You'll never get the Holy Ghost. You'll never get him in you. I'm just telling you, I'm not, I'm not mad because the Bible says he wants to give it to whoever is willing to ask. He says, I stand at the door not. And if you go, uh, if I get it, great. If I don't, it's okay. But you've got to lean your entire personality. You've got to, you have to have, I want this Lord, I want your spirit in me. I want your presence flowing through me. I want to be in your presence. I, I need it, Lord. I need it more than I need breath. I need it more than I need my, the air. I need it more than I need anything. And the night you got it, you had that kind of I was desperate. I'll tell you my own story. I was about half to go to camp, and at that time they gave you red and blue buttons. And if you got a red button, you had the Holy Ghost. If you got a blue button, you didn't. And if you had a blue button, you had to wear it all week, and everybody prayed with you, and I couldn't stand that. <laughs> so the Sunday night before camp, I was desperate. I'd already gone through a whole year of everybody coming up and laying their hands on me. And my personality was, sorry, I don't like that. And I was desperate. And I came and I said, God, I got to have it tonight. I'm just telling you, I got to have the Holy Ghost tonight. And you know, bam, the Lord hit me, knocked me down. And I was talking in tongues for 30 minutes. I know some of y'all didn't get the Holy Ghost that way. You just, you know, well, sure, Lord, if you want it, fine. I'm just telling you that I don't know of anybody that comes to God like that. You get, the Bible says, they that hunger and thirst. You've got to come wanting, believing, expecting. And that's what Paul told Timothy. And, I, and I, I know the Lord, you know, people will say, well, how, I don't know, how come they didn't get it? And we had a lady named Grace, and I, I've told you that story before, but she, my Lord, she about drove us all nuts because she would pray and pray and pray and never, you know. Finally, one Sunday morning, she was sitting down. She had already prayed, wore out the saints of the Most High, and she was sitting there, and boom, she raised her hand. She got the Holy Ghost, wow. And so we were just, you know, swinging from the chandeliers and biting the ceiling. <laughs> and in those days, you know, you, you know, you stuck a mic in somebody's face. Well, how do you feel? And you know what her first statement was? Well, it wasn't as bad as I thought it was gonna be. <laughs> and I realized she had fear yes. over what was gonna happen to her so that she couldn't just release 
and let the Holy Ghost flow. And so he, that's why Paul would say, leaning your entire personality on God and Christ in absolute trust and confidence in his power, in his wisdom, and his goodness. A faith that first lived permanently in the heart of your grandmother. He said, Timothy, I want you to remember what your grandma Lois and your mother Eunice, and now I am fully persuaded dwells all in you also. That is why I would remind you to stir up. Timothy, you've had it. You got it. You've been buried in his name, but you're going to every once in a while have to stir up the gift. <laughs> oh, rekindle the embers. Fan the flame. Keep burning of the gracious gift of God. That inner fire that is in you by the means of laying on of hands with those elders at your ordination. For God did not give us a spirit of timidity or of fear, of cowardice or craven and cringing, fawning fear, but he hath given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Do not blush or be ashamed then to testify. Here's what he was basically saying. Timothy, you know what God called you to do? To testify about the Lord. Do not be ashamed to testify to and for our Lord, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake, but with me take your share of the suffering to which the preaching of gospel may expose you and do it in the power of God. For it is he who delivered and saved us and called us with a calling in itself holy and leading to holiness, a life of consecration, a vocation of holiness. He did it, not because of any merit that we did. <laughs> not because of anything that we have done, but because of and to further his own purpose and grace, his unmerited favor. I want to tell you, the reason God called some of you out of your family and God called some of you because he wanted to show your family, the world, your community, I can take that person and make them a powerhouse for me. That's my purpose. It is that purpose and grace which he has now made known and fully disclosed to made real to us. You know, what are you saying? That through the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ who annulled death and made it of no effect and brought life, immortality, and immortality, immunity from eternal death to light through the gospel. Uh, what am I saying? I'm telling you he hath put this treasure in earthen vessels that you know what? His opinion is the only one that counts. His glory, his purpose, his plan, what he's trying to do. It doesn't matter what I'm trying to do. It only matters 
matters what he wants me to do. It's not about who I am. It's about who he is through me. You say, oh, I know. We, had a, we got signs, WWJD. What would Jesus do? I get it. But that's the way we got to live 24 hours a day, seven days a week to be like Jesus. Even in church, this church in Corinth, we can get sucked back into the courtroom about who's judging me, who's better than me, who's not as good as me. I'm better than somebody else. That's the worst thing in the world you can do. Because, I'm sorry, go back to that other slide. I'm through. I'll stop. I know we have youth boosters meeting. Galatians 5 and 1 said, Stand fast in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. If you're only living for God because, well, I'm afraid of what the preacher might think, you've missed it. Well, don't tell Brother Joe Strand. Well, you know, this is Brother Joe Strand's church. This is not my church. I, I, I dispel that. I, I, I couldn't keep the lights on. And Brother Heath came by this afternoon. He's trying to unplug a drain in its kitchen sink. I, I, can't, I can't keep up with everything here. This is not my church by any stretch of the imagination. Guess what? It's not your church either. It's God's church. Chosen the weak things to confound the mighty. Don't ever think that one monkey will stop the show. <laughs> it won't. The Lord's going to have a church. He's going to have a people. He's going to have people that are going to serve Him, that are going to put Him number one in His life, in your, their lives that are gonna stand fast in the liberty. I'm not trying to be arrogant. I know, you know, I'm a preacher. Hey, you don't like it, let them at the door. I'm not, I'm not having that attitude. But what I'm telling you is that everything that we have to do is keep our self-view less about who I am and more about who he is. Less about who I am, more about who he is. It's not about, oh, wow, I did this for the praise of men. Well, you're going to get disappointed. The reason you teach Sunday school is because you like all the parents telling you how wonderful you are. You're going to be depressed one day. Huh? I'm just... Three. <laughs> What's going on, Pastor? What are you saying? Lord, and, and my wife taught uh, the ladies on Tuesday. I don't know if she'll teach it here. I, I put the slides. But that's why he would say, bring every thought, grab it by the throat to the obedience of what? Christ. Why? Because I don't 
care. You're going to think about, well, I'm better. I'm not as good. I'm terrible. I'm depressed. I'm, huh? But say, wait a minute. The verdict was already passed on Calvary. When he said it is finished, the blood did its job. Now, I want to be like him. That's what it is. I want to be like Jesus. I want to be like Jesus. Oh!